because I think that one of those things about whiteness is that we're we're kind of conditioned, maybe I shouldn't say kind of conditioned, we're conditioned to not notice that we have a racial identity. And when we actually are confronted with that, it's, you know, it's a lot to, to take on. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Greg. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. Starting off with work we love, that feels good. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And uh, I think we wanted to... Start with a capacity question, check-in question, and then dive into our conversation. So do you have a pull to go first or second around your capacity today? How about I go second? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just thinking about coming into, I mean, this isn't going to be released for a couple of weeks probably, but, you know, coming into this this new year and having given ourselves a break. We gave ourselves a week off of, um, of the podcast, uh, at least posting it. I guess we, we did do a little bit of recording, but you know, mostly taking last week off and as the year closed and giving some downtime, I am coming into this new week, this new year, feeling really energized and feeling really excited about, you know, what's possible. Actually, it's really funny. I had dinner last night with some friends and one of whom, is a um an avid listener of the podcast and was excited to talk about that and so i you know like that was was actually really really fun so yeah so physically i'm feeling good mentally and emotionally i'm feeling good my you know um this is such a meaningful time of year for me just generally around reflection and whatnot and so i'm feeling really connected spiritually so i'm I'm coming in kind of on fire a little bit Mm. yeah so that's me how about you love that Wow. Um, follow that. <laughs> yeah, I'll follow that. Uh, I feel a little split. Mm. Um, I'm coming in feeling like not quite ready to go back to work. I mean, I spent the whole break being sick mostly. So it did not feel like a super energizing time for me or particularly mm, yeah. relaxing. So I'm finding myself feeling a little grumpy about going back to work because I still want to vacation. Um, and then just also (laughs) just thinking about that, right? Like how do I engage with my work in a way that isn't depleting, um, and Mm. is disruptive of the stories that I carry personally and that our culture helps us out with. So in some ways I'm feeling low capacity, um, and other ways I'm, I am feeling better and I'm feeling excited about what we're doing and it's feeling, it's feeling really important. Um, Mm. so I'm feeling, I'm feeling high capacity. I actually, the last couple of days have been 
pretty powerful from thinking about racism and oppression. And I went to the Wing Luke Museum here in in mm-hmm. Seattle, and it just went on a tour there that I hadn't before, just talking about the the creation of our city and the role and the challenges that, you know, all basically all Asian communities faced and, you know, it was learning the stories mm-hmm. of like Filipino community and Chinese community and the page act against Chinese women. And I just feel, um, it feels heavy and mm-hmm. alive in me. And then I was reading something in Harper's magazine, which actually we should put in the show notes, which was a really amazing story about, um, the house museums in new Orleans telling, you know, of, of these are museums run by black folks um, in their houses where you can also go visit about like Mm. all sorts of things about their history. Mm. And um, I'm feeling like touched and moved and angry Mm. and, you know, just the continuous, I'm feeling very steeped, Mm. in yeah in racism <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. oppression I'm feeling it's oppression heavy in my system coming into this conversation so yeah and I think on the flip side just feeling aware of my whiteness mm. Mm. So, yeah yeah well, thanks for bringing yeah. that in, Shannon. And, and I'd imagine that your experience at the Wing Luke Museum, which is an Asian, uh, it's framed as like an Asian American museum or an Asian museum, I can't remember, but I've been there um, a couple times. And, you know, especially on the heels of our conversation with N a couple weeks ago, and which, yep. you know, um, hopefully folks got a chance to listen to that and, and then our follow up on that. So I'd imagine that that makes it, you know, very real yeah. seeing those things in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So museum. Yeah. So have lots of capacity. Mm. Mm, good. Yeah, I find myself yeah. pausing there because it's like capacity in terms of like energy and mm. conviction, but like uh, feeling emotionality underneath it. And I'm what now mm. I just found myself wondering, is that like add to capacity or detract from capacity? Hmm. Mm. Interesting questions. My emotions yeah. feel very close to the surface. Mm, yeah. I don't know that yeah. we need to figure that out. I'm just naming what I notice. So. Yeah. And maybe, and actually this can help us in our, we can like kind of come around to this in our conversation about what we're going to talk about, because one of the things that's interesting, I think is when our emotions are so close to the surface and we, are engaging in conversations about race and depending on what kinds of context we're in, it may or may not be appropriate for us to actually let those emotions through. Yeah. What do we do about that? And how do we develop the capacity to actually kind of partition in a way that allows us to go like, I'm going to deal with that later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so right. I don't, I don't dump this on this person and, um, and then go, where do I, where do I do that? Where do I do that later? So, yeah. So, yeah. so, why don't we talk about what we wanted to talk about? That sounds good. We're we're you're sounding pretty cryptic. So today we wanted to talk about <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I mean, in some ways, how we even came to be doing this work. Um, 
you know, and I think yeah. we've told our origin story a little bit in terms of how we met holistic resistance and, and other things. But more specifically, you and I both have been um, holding understanding whiteness groups for white folks, you specifically um, holding groups for men and me specifically holding groups for women and uh, people socialized female. So we were going to tell the origin story of that um, today and just what we're learning and why we're doing it and just mm-hmm. where we find ourselves with those groups. So um, I will start because it feels sort of like this podcast, you know, the podcast came about through us trying to birth some programs. And then you said, well, why aren't we doing a podcast? And then within two days, I think we'd ordered our microphone, <laughs> set them up and recorded a podcast, which is what, how my understanding whiteness group felt to me, which was um, in summer of 2020 after George Floyd's murder and Black Lives Matter resurging in, in the consciousness in the way that it did and here in Capitol Hill, especially with Chaz and Chop happening and, and um uh, you know, the protests on the streets. Um, I had a couple of women who knew that I had been, you know, doing more of my anti-racism work over the last couple of years, call me and just say, I don't know what to make of like everything and like what's erupting at work and around me. And can we talk? And I think three of them that reached out to me individually all knew each other. And I said, Hey, did you know that, you know, so-and-so is also reaching out. Let's just get on a call together. I'm happy to talk. I mean, I don't can offer what I can offer and help point to resources. And then everyone said, I think all three of them, or at least two of them said, can I bring a friend? And then Mm -hmm. before I knew it, I was like, Oh, I have a, I have a group of women that are meeting on a regular basis to talk about, um, racism, anti-racism, oppression, whiteness, our role in it as women, as mm-hmm. white people. And um, it just became really important too to also be in a group of all women and understanding the particular ways that white women oppress and need to recognize their role in oppression and also their relationship to white men and the feelings we have about white men and how mm-hmm. that also needs to be processed if we mm-hmm. are to be good good anti-racist I don't mean good as in you know like give us a gold star but like competent Mm -hmm. partners Mm -hmm. so that's how I came to be doing understanding whiteness I did it I did three three of those and I'll say Mm -hmm. more in a bit but I'll stop talking and see what you would want to add in or just also invite you to share kind of your origin story because yours is a little bit different than mine Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah I mean, the timing I think is is similar, but uh, although although in some ways it started earlier for me, but yeah, it's you know, and one thing I want to add before sharing is that you know there's and, and people maybe be, are becoming more familiar with this concept, I think, but the the idea of like the affinity group or mm-hmm. the ca- the caucus space where mm-hmm. um, you actually create spaces for folks of different identities to engage in conversation. And this is, this is something that happens, I think, not just in, um, in the context of anti-racism work, but there's a lot of, I think, in, you know, in organizations like ERGs and whatnot, where they're doing, they do, they do similar work. Some of which is focused on race, some of which isn't. And just to ERGs being employee resource groups. Right. Yeah. Those are, which are, you know, often sponsored in organizations for various diversity efforts or equity inclusion efforts. Yep. Um, 
But, you know, and so having experienced white caucus space or white affinity space in, you know, um, working with holistic resistance and working with the Reverend Angel and working with, you know, and, and some other workshops that I've experienced, uh, you know, um, our, our friend Anna Brown and her program Unpacking Whiteness, which ended up being that um, mostly, I think, almost almost all, you know, exclusively. Um, and there being, you know, there's not a universal, like like with anything, there's not a universal consensus around this. Like there are a lot of people, not yeah, I don't know, a lot, but like there are people who believe that you shouldn't have these kinds of spaces that, you know, and, and then there are people who believe that you should like never come together mixed, you know, <laughs> like I think the whole spectrum. Right. But I think the the having experienced the value of a space for white bodied folks to explore race in a way in which in a space where we know we're not going to be causing harm. Like, you know, there's, there's zero chance of causing harm, racial harm. But as, as we've learned, we talked a little bit about this, I think in a previous episode, like racial harm isn't the only kind of harm. Right. And so when we put gender in the mix, it creates another layer. Right. Um, and not to say we shouldn't be, you know, doing those, you know, and we've, we've done them and we've been, ex- we've been experienced, we've experienced them. And, um, but so for me, what it was, was, going to workshops with holistic resistance or going to Brown's program or going to Reverend angels or to other things going to, even at my synagogue, you know, um, they, we hosted, um, Robin D'Angelo came in and did a, did a thing. And in almost all of these places, noticing that there's a, a, there is a, a lack of male representation in the space. There's just very few men. And I say that kind of across the board because I even remember like the Reverend Angel was, I think the biggest one we went to, there were like 200 or 300 people at that workshop. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of split, you know, it's like, I don't know if it was half, half, you know, people of color, white bodied folks. Um, But even it was like near that. And still the number of men, whether they were men of color or white bodied men was very low. Like, and so that, you know, it was just really interesting to me. And, you know, and I do men's work. Like I've, I've been involved in my own, like for my own personal healing process over the last 15 years or so, I've been in men's circles and I've been leading them and, you know, forming them and facilitating them. And it's become part of my work. Right. So like I, you know, I facilitate men's groups and I do coaching for men and I have a whole side of my business. That's about that. And it became kind of like, well, where the heck are the white men? And I remember actually at that very first holistic resistance workshop, whenever that was four or five years ago, saying to Jenny, um, after the workshop, Jenny Pearl, one of the core members of holistic resistance, I really want to figure out some way to do something with men. Cause like we need more men. And like, I think there was one other guy in that workshop with us out of 25 people or something. And she was like, yes, <laughs> yes, please. And then it kind of got set aside for a while. And um, and then I was, I remember being at a, um, at a, the, the Whidbey Institute, which is a, an institution that you and I are both kind of in relationship with. And we do a retreat at each year and we've been going there for more, well, well over a decade, I think each and um, in different retreats and whatnot. And, and they've been doing a lot of um, anti-racism work as a, as an organization. And I remember in, I think it was in 
February, I know it was, in, it was in February of 2020 because it was right as the pandemic was about to, to start. And I was in a, I was at a program there with other program leaders and we were in conversations about stuff. And, and this idea, this came up that there are not men mm. involved in white in, in anti-racism. And I just kind of raised my hand and I was like, I've actually had this idea of like doing a program for white bodied men. And the, um, the enthusiasm I got from that circle, which included white bodied folks and people of color, but were also almost all women um, was like, yes, please. You know, and some of the, some of the women of color were like, actually let me know if you want me to look over your stuff because I may, you know, have a perspective on it. It's like very cool. So I decided to start working on that. And a week later, like the whole world shut down and um, I kind of set it aside (laughs) because it was like, it seemed like, well, we're all focused on something else right now. And then after George Floyd was murdered and the movement for black lives kind of erupted again, similar to what you were having, I, I decided I needed to do something. And so I, I actually went and intentionally started this program, right? It wasn't like responding to something that you were experiencing. It was very much, um, an intentional move. And, and, you know, and I like trying to get a group of guys together to talk about stuff like this is actually really hard, you know? Right. So it's very, it's a very Remember different saying experience. That. Like bring a friend like that was not a strategy that was <laughs> working for it doesn't work you know group. and that's you know this is a this is a, a broad generalization and it's true <laughs> right which is most men don't necessarily have somebody when you say bring a friend they're like well i don't know who i'd call you know right. or like who i'd feel comfortable talking to about this like i have people in my life but eh, i don't know right we go skiing we go skiing, we go watch the game, we, you know, play poker, but we don't necessarily talk about how does, how does racism, you know, or how does whiteness move in and through us. And so it was really challenging, honestly. And, but I've, you know, since then I've run five cohorts. I brought in a, a, a good friend who, who, you know, um, uh, Whitney Pepper, who to facilitate, he came into a couple of those and helped and, and then Aaron joined them as a, yeah, a co-facilitator in a couple of them. He's, I think, been in four of the five he actually has come to. So it's been a great program. But I think it's there's a, there's definitely a marked difference in the way that um, it's both experienced by, you know, like, you know, through a gender lens and like getting people in the room has been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well. Anyway, I found myself thinking of the the journey of getting people in the room. Um, but I think what we wanted <laughs> yeah. to t- talk about today, um, I also want to give a shout out to all the support that I received from from Aaron and from Jenny in, in you know the program that I did. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> you know, I did the first one by myself, and the second one by myself, and was exhausted. Um, and so Jenny came in and supported me, and you know, really hit home for me about not doing this work alone. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. we, we need, we need each other. And then I, um, you know, Heath, uh, Kowalewski, uh, someone we both know, a dear human, Mm -hmm. uh, came in to facilitate the third one with me. And we were also able to bring in kind of non-binary, um, perspective and experience that were socialized female, and people that were socialized female and what they 
like they were carrying and also that added layer of, you know, harm and oppression can mm-hmm. occur. Um, so I think it just leads me to just talk about all the layers. I think that we're, mm. we feel like we're swimming in, mm-hmm. in our groups. Yeah. Does that feel like a place to go? Yeah, I think so. I know part of what we wanted to talk about was the gender piece mm-hmm. and what we're finding there. And I didn't, do you have a particular starting point? Well, I think, you know, the, what I would say, and what's tricky is I think for a lot of men, it feels it's, it's, it's very strange to, go in and do something at like for a group of men. Like it almost may be more comfortable to do something in a mixed group than to do something in a, in a, and this I think could be extrapolated in some ways to how it is for some white bodied folks or a lot of white bodied folks. Maybe it's actually more comfortable to do this stuff in a mixed space than it is to do it in an all white space. And I find myself wondering how much of that has to do with the fact that when we get together as white bodied men lights get shown on stuff like mm. it's uh, it's super apparent right that there's like oh we actually have an identity here we are white men um and because i think that one of those things about whiteness is that we're we're kind of conditioned maybe i shouldn't say kind of conditioned we're conditioned to not notice that we have a racial identity and when we actually are confronted with that, it's, you know, it's a lot to, to take on because we don't have to move through the world with it. Right. We don't have to worry, like, how is my racial identity going to be met by this police officer that pulled me over or by the, you know, when when I send my resume in for a job, is my name going to be flagged because it's, you know, unusual, quote unquote, unusual or whatever. Um, And so, that I think was, you know, is, is one thing that, you know, I noticed in the group is like, oh, we're, we're really now like, we can't turn away from the fact that we're white bodied men. That does, mm-hmm. but, but then, you know, then on top of that, we've got to start going like, well, what are, what are we capable of actually getting to here? Because we have all kinds of, there's all kinds of layers in between us and actually feeling a lot of the stuff, including the fact that as white bodied men, we are generally not really well attuned to what we're feeling and what our bodies are feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate like naming the aspect of the light getting shown on your racialized identity, Mm. you know? And so that first recognition of, well, not the first recognition, but a different kind of recognition of we are white men. And I think what, I also felt struck by as I was reflecting on my groups in preparation for today was for, I think the same thing can happen for white women. Um, Mm. Like we are white women. And I think two pieces happen. One is we can so much identify, you know, we will go down the feminist space Mm. of the ways that we have experienced oppression and harm Mm-hmm. But it becomes very quickly or is from the beginning of the conversation, 
you know, the white feminism where it is the centering of, of ourselves and our needs and is not on behalf of anyone outside of our own, our own positionality. So that's one piece. And then, so we're confronted with, I am also an oppressor. I am also someone who does harm um, and can be seen that way. And I think that for myself and for the conversations in that space, I think the other thing that's more subtle is being seen as a collective, right? I Mm. think that individualism, like I am Mm. a good white woman or I am a, you know, then it flips into, well, now I'm a bad white woman, but then also the piece of seeing ourselves as a collective, um, and was just really struck by how do we, what does that mean? You know, that we're, we're, and I think women, we could talk more easily and, you know, we're used to get, getting together and talking about things that happen underneath the surface of our lives more than men, I would say, not all of us, mm-hmm. but gross mm-hmm. generalizations that we're speaking in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a way in which we too have work to do around dropping into our personal experience and then as a collective of white women, what our impact has been. Mm. Um, And so that just continues just a little mind bending because you're like, Oh, well I've experienced harm too. And so like that disrupting that conversation uh, I've found Mm -hmm. slippery from for you know like i can name it and then it just like it's just so it's like teflon right like the yeah. ability to be with yeah. that is hard i was thinking about that in relationship to our conversation with n actually and I, I don't think we ever actually because we talked about this a little bit um in kind of offline conversations but i don't think it ever came up in our even our follow-up um from last week and about that that sort of you know, and this is something that I, you know, I don't just see it in women, I, although I definitely have, but as, you know, somebody who's Jewish, I've ex- seen this as well. And I've even done it. I even think I've told the story. I remember which episode it was, but told the story of, you know, talking to a black man and being like, look, I get it. I'm Jewish. Like, you know, we're oppressed, you know, and <laughs> it's obviously the same thing. And, um, you know, and like, and I remember being in a conversation in a community. I can't remember exactly which community it was, but it was, this was a couple of years ago and a woman brought in that, you know, like, you know, I'm a woman. And so I, you know, I understand it. And the facilitator's response was something along the lines of that's probably true, but we're talking about race right now. So why are you pivoting away from that? Mm. Why are you, why are you making it now about you? And I, I, that really struck me as like, and I know I get that from my positionality. Some women, white women hearing this might be like, oh, that's easy for that white guy to say, or like, you know, how dare he or whatever, like, which, and it really struck me because it was, this was a person of color, you know, and, and the, the question of like, that may be true, but why are you, why are we pivoting away from race? Like, that's what happens. Right. And that I think is, you know, I've heard from others is like, the kind of common experience, right. Is like, as soon as we start, and I think even Adam has talked about this in, in some contexts in some of the communities we've been a part of, as soon as we start talking about Adam Slade, that is from a few episodes back, um, we start talking about race. Folks start trying to find other things to yeah. pivot to 
yeah. pretty quickly. And, and which speaks to that, you know, that discomfort and our, our, uh, our, our lack of capacity in being with that discomfort. I mean, being in conversations about race and I, I think it, it brings me into like all the layers that, you know, we're navigating, like understanding and seeing how we center ourselves. You know, we pivot mm-hmm. away from race and we center our experience mm-hmm. and like the distancing, you know, the cognitive, let, let me understand this from a cognitive perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and give me the framework and, you know, my own efforts to, it, that's comfortable there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and to drop underneath it and just be mm-hmm. with like naming what's true. Like, Hey, we're pivoting away from the conversation or noticing that we're now, mm-hmm. we're now talking about things in this very abstract way. And so I think part of the importance of our group has been slowing it down and mm-hmm. getting into feeling and trying to learn how to imagine center the experience of people of color when they're not in the room and all the tricky layers that, that that can bring up, you mm-hmm. know, cause they, there's as many experiences as there are people of color and understand some cultural dynamics and relationships and our role in that. And so it's just how quickly then we go back to our heads. So it's been a real, <laughs> it's just, it's just been, there's so much. And I, yeah. you know, what I notice again and again, I guess, is the, the Teflon experience that I call it, mm-hmm. you know, of how quickly we pop out or go to our heads or won't feel or criticize or criticize white men or yeah. just noticing all the defenses um, and the blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, t- I mean, when you're talking about that, I find myself thinking about the, the many conversations we've had in, in the, the program I've done around the question of what do you mean when you say, feel this in your body? Yeah. You know, what, what does that mean? Like, and, and I think for a lot of men, the reality is, is that we're so cut off from that. We, we are so conditioned to live in our heads and that it's not just a male trait and it's very typical among men and we're comfortable with concepts and ideas. So when, you know, because our programs are the, this is one of the things we would say about them, right? Is like, they're not content driven. They're not information. It's not a teaching of like, here's the history. There's great programs for that. Anna Brown's program was a fantastic you know, exploration of that. And as a somatic therapist, she also folded in a lot of really good somatic stuff, but it was a lot of, there was a lot of content in that program. You know, the seeing white podcast is a fantastic uh, unpacking of the content in an informative space. And that stuff's super important. And I think what you and I were both working at doing in those, in our programs is slowing it down so that we could actually feel the impact and which proves to be tricky with populations who are not um, accustomed to, or you know, uh, don't necessarily have the have access to the feeling aspect. And that is been, and I think it's you know, I, it's something I still wrestle with in myself, quite frankly, because I'm not confused about the fact that I'm, I am a white man and I am on my own, you know, my own journey here. I've I've not figured this stuff out. No, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, I think back to having two facilitators, you know, or two space holders to, to slow each other down, you know, yeah. and I can, you know, kind of an intersection here too, of like our own material. Right. Yeah. So it's like my own racism and the way that that goes through me and the ways that I particularly cause harm in the intersection with my like own, you know, trauma stories around what mm-hmm. I have to do to be seen as good and valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's all just a big pile of noodles, right? That's like my personal trauma story. It's cultural. Like I can't pull it all mm-hmm. apart to become really aware of like how hard it is for me to disrupt myself, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm also holding space. So that's, I think that's been the biggest piece is how do we all slow down and notice what we're doing and Mm -hmm. into our feeling and then bring it like racial analysis later. And, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. what we can do to pivot here, Greg is, I was going to say like, talk about what we, what we're trying to create in these groups. What's the opportunity. Um, Mm. I think that's, you know, implicit to some of the things that we've said, but you know, what are we finding as we continue to do these groups and continue to engage with the folks that stay? Cause I have, now I have an mm-hmm. ongoing drop in group for mm-hmm. people who've completed my groups. Um, mm-hmm. so yep, let's, same. so let's, what would we want to say about like what we feel our programs are up to mm-hmm. and yeah. What would you, what would you say about that? I think the, the number one thing that I hope I'm, we're up to. Yes. <laughs> we're like, striving to be up to. That I'm striving to be up to. Not always. I don't always make it. One of the things that, you know, I've heard time and again from, you know, uh, the, the folks of color who I've learned from and studied with and just become friends with and who are, you know, active and activists and is that, you know, white folks tend to come in, you know, something happens, a big thing on the front page of the newspaper, white folks tend to come in, cause a big, you know, there's a big splash, sometimes make a mess of things, sometimes just, you know, like they're, they're, they're they're participating. And then as soon as it's on moves to page six, you know, it's like they just, just kind of disappear. And so there's the component of it dropping off of like the, what do you call it? Dropping off of the, um, you know, the, the front page, but then there's also the component of the reality that when we get into this work, we cannot not be confronted by our own experience being white, right? We're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to some sort of a protest and somebody's going to say something to us, you know, or ask us why we're there or, you know, there's something will happen. Chances are the, the more we're in the work. And so all of this is to say, part of what I hope we're up to is actually developing capacity within white-bodied folks to deal with the stuff that's internal that drives us out, right? And I think that's that's largely has, that's largely shame. You know, there's shame is often associated with anti-racism work, but it's associated as a weapon, right? It's like I'm going to get shamed. You hear white-bodied folks talk about this. I, they're just you're know, just going to shame me into whatever. And it's like no, like that's not the that's not the. Some people will do that. That's fine, you know, whatever, that's their method. The way I like to hold it is you will experience shame because you cannot 
um, not experience shame when you were confronted by your whiteness. Right. That's something that comes up for everybody. And most of us, and like, you know, I think for men, shame is a, is a particular kind of driver in our lives. It tends mm-hmm. to um, be what um, is behind a lot of the way we posture and show up, way we've been conditioned. If you don't, if you aren't a real man, then you will be shamed for that. And, and so the fear of that is huge, you know, and I, I think it's one of the main reasons that it's so hard to, to recruit guys or recruit guys uh, that maybe that's the wrong word, but to, to attract guys into the program is because shame is, is such a driver. And so this is a really super long winded way of saying, you know, what I, part of what I'm hoping to be doing is to develop the capacity to experience shame, feel the shame, stay with the shame and not turn away while also not dumping the shame on somebody that doesn't belong to, you know, like processing it, creating a space to do that. But like, so that we can stay in the work, we can be, we can, experience the shame we're going to experience, but not, not run away from it. And that I think that I think is kind of like the lifetime like work, you know, it's going to take yeah forever to do, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think part of what I hear in that too, I mean, yes to everything you said is also just the ongoing nature, right? Like I, this is not like DEI work that I do off to the side. It's, mm-hmm. it's just now, a part of how I think and move through the world. Um, and I want to invite people into that being true every day for themselves along with building the capacity. And I think another place where we've talked about the slowing down and the feeling and bringing our body in, you know, and this is an edge for me to bring in song or music or, you know, mm-hmm. all these different ways. And as is like, as I was reading an article to help me find some words, I came across non-oppressive ways of knowing. Mm. And I think that's another thing is like in our groups, can we not only understand our role in oppression and harm as white folks um, and how that moves through us and all of that. And how can we feel and taste and sample non-oppressive ways of being and knowing together? Um, mm-hmm. And if we can feel that in our body and have have some sense of that, then when we go out into the world and into mixed spaces, you know, not only do we have the awareness and the capacity to, you know, for white women, this is not the time for our tears and this is not the time to try and understand something at somebody else's level of effort, but also just how can we be different? I guess that is that is in itself a non-oppressive way. Mm-hmm. of being and knowing. And so, and there's so much more, there's so mm-hmm. much more. And just to get little tastes of that so that that's what we're up to as a collective. Right. And then we can be in community. We can be in space. We can be in relationship over time for the rest of our lives because we're headed for, you know, we're headed for ultimately liberation and healing in these deep, deep ways. And so little samples of that, I think it renews my ability to keep going too. Like, Oh, I got a taste. 
Yeah. And, you know, you're, and you're talking about the, you know, the community piece. That's, I mean, I do think that that has to be a part of it, right? I mean, Resma Medicum talks about, you know, go find your people. And like, he'll ask like, who are the people you're going to be in these questions with for the next 10, 20, 30 years, you know, not Mm -hmm. at a workshop, but like actually, you know, and, and workshops are important and, and, um, that, you know, those learning opportunities are important, but the, the actual process of creating community. And I think for men, that's one of the things that I'm trying to, trying to do with my work, not just in, in the anti-racism space, but just with men in general is like, we need each other. We need each other as men. There's something, there's something that's, that, that's important that comes happens when men come together. And we also have to recognize that when groups of white men come together, historically, things don't work out well for people of color, right? That's, not a so there's something we can disrupt in that by actually coming together and saying like we're going to do this in a different way we're going to do this actually to right those wrongs and to um to do the inner healing we need to do in order to be actually be useful because a lot of white guys that i do talk to about this stuff the 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 question we often have is what do we do what what can we do we talked about this a few episodes back right like what do we do and that's a it's a very we need to be doing things. It's not that we don't need to be doing things, but if we're not actually, if we're not actually slowing down in community and building these kinds of relationships, we're not going to actually disrupt the, the world be pulled right back into our way of being right. because our way of being keeps us isolated and you know, it it's designed that way. So yeah. disrupting, it can be some ways as simple as like, let's build a community and actually, you know, move forward with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, extending into this and kind of coming full circle, like understanding as a collective of white women, you know, for a team of four women facilitators going into a space, I would hope coming out of our, my program or doing this work in general, that wherever you do it is that you understand that there is a collective presence of four white women, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think we were talking last podcast about tracking all the things, you know, Mm -hmm that we can be more aware of and start to track. Um, but then I think extending you and I, our hope for especially disrupting our practice where we're reaching into specific work of facilitators and consultants and people who have access to um, power and control and all of the things that we do, you know, how do we bring, bring this knowledge into, you know, into disruptions that are, Mm-hmm. you know, that are grounded and caring and relational and. Well, yeah. recognizing that we need the support to do that, right. We need to have the right. communities to do that. We need to be in the conversations to do that, you know, and, and I mean, personally, like it could be seen, I was thinking about this just a couple minutes ago as if like what we're doing in this episode is like trying to like pitch our programs or something. Mm. Um, and I actually don't like, don't want no. that to be the case. I, what I want, I mean, I don't like, I, I want people to go in and find spaces where they can be in, the, in these relationships right. and these conversations. Anywhere. Yes. Anywhere really quite honestly. And, uh, you know, it, you know, and I think there's a, you know, we're, we've, we've held some particular kinds of spaces and we'll continue to do that. And if people are interested in that, we're super down with it. And, but really quite frankly, like if anything, it's like, please go find a space, go and build, reach out to people. If, if you are in a positionality like mine, where the, the the idea of doing that is like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, how do I even do that? 
you know, like it doesn't have to be much and, you know, like shoot me an email, <laughs> you know, have a conversation about it. It's like, there's, there's lots of, um, I think there's lots of ways that we could, we could be engaging in this stuff. And there are, there are certainly multiple places we could be doing it. Yeah. And I think that's how this idea to talk about our programs came about as we were talking about the many layers of white men and white women and different positionalities and intersectionalities. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, and what we've, what we just find ourselves in and up against and tangled up in and hoping for and striving mm-hmm. for. And so it was more a story of more, a story of all the layers, um, mm-hmm you know, that we're in and that we see and that we want to invite people in whatever way to be engaged in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Starting yeah. to feel a little bit of the like wind it down energy. Um, I think we're done. I think we just yeah. did that. Did we? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it a, is it a weird pivot to also then talk about our workshops that we have coming up? Because we do have some workshops coming up, even though I just said we don't want to be pitching our stuff. But yeah, that's kind of weird, but let's go for it. We need to, we need, like, the reason we wanted to do these workshops is because <laughs> we, you know, one, we've heard from some folks and we want to be in conversation, direct, actual, literal conversation with folks. We've seen some of the value of, of being in these, these programs. And we recognize that, you know, doing, doing the programs is a big, big, giant bite for a lot of folks. And so we wanted to offer these four workshops, the information for them. We won't read them again as we did, I think an episode or two ago, but is, is in the show notes. You can click the link in the show notes and it'll take you to the info on the four workshops. And, um, I think they're going to be a great opportunity to actually get in and wrestle with this stuff and see, you know, what feels right for you as far as, you know, building community around this, this work, especially as facilitators and people in, in the OD space. Yeah. So getting even more specific, I think we just want to be in relationship, like Mm -hmm. full stop, around this work and support people in it. And then even more specifically into, you know, our professional community. I've seen questions in my, in my professional community around specific work for facilitators and consultants. And so, you know, here, here you go. We'd like to be in that conversation and relationship with you. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, check out the show notes for all of that. And Please review the podcast if you are enjoying it. And even if you're not enjoying it, let us know. Uh, please, yeah, please yeah, do let us know. Reach out to us at Greg or Shannon at ConnectionWorks.com. All the info on our workshops is at ConnectionWorks.com on our programs page. And um, yeah. Yeah. Love to hear from you all. So, um, And we're also building our community on LinkedIn. And we have a private group there where we're working on kind of keeping a I don't know, building a muscle of, of inquiry and feeling and all of that. Um, I haven't say we've mastered that at all, but um, come, come join nope. us in the figuring <laughs> in the co-creation <laughs> uh, and it, it'll definitely be better together. So, yeah. All right. I think we can wrap it up, Greg. Great. Well, thanks a ton, everyone. And we'll look yeah. forward to our next connection. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye. Bye.